Welcome to the Harvard College of Business podcast with your hosts, Sarah Gascon and Curry Dias. Today's guest is Josh Brandt, co-founder and CEO of Allegiance Merchant Services in Charlotte, North Carolina. He is a 2001 Harvard graduate in Information Systems Management and a member of the college's advisory board. Josh Brandt, War Eagle, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. War Eagle. Josh, you studied management information systems at Auburn University. How did that background influence your trajectory into the merchant services industry? So to begin with, I started in telecommunications and technology straight out of college. And then as I was in that business, there was uh, some convergence happening within a lot of different spaces with technology. And I wanted to find something that leveraged the content of technology, not just the technology itself. And through that, found uh, merchant services and figured that the best content is money. And if you could apply the technology to move the money better, faster, quicker, solve customer problems around the movement of money, that would be a good opportunity there. For those unfamiliar with Allegiance Merchant Services, could you provide a brief overview of what that company does? So at at a very uh, kind of fundamental level, uh, we facilitate the transfer of a credit card payment. So as an individual or a business goes in to a retail establishment or they purchase something from another business and want to use our credit card, there's a company that needs to transfer money from the cardholder to the business that they're purchasing the goods and services from. And that is what my company does as we facilitate that payment transfer. In payment transfer, merchant services industry has gone, gone through some significant changes over the years. How has Allegiance Merchant Services adapted to these ships? You know, the, the biggest piece is we, in the beginning, were very fortunate to be good at solving more difficult problems. And so we really tried to find customers that have more difficult problems. And we differentiate ourselves very well in that space. If uh, customers send have a little bit more simple problems, there's probably better solutions for them out there. Uh, so we kind of, we, we, we want to run to where the fight is. We want to run to where the more complicated problems are. And an example of, of that is a customer that has other, co- that their customers have multiple ways that they want to, to, to receive payment or to pay. And so some folks want to pay off of clicking an invoice and their email. Others want to call in over the telephone. Some people want to pay in person. So each one of those has a different set of criteria and complexity to it. And so finding those customers that have a lot of different ways that their customers want to pay them, things that we've used and what we've used technology to kind of leverage to help solve those problems. What are some of the common challenges businesses face with merchant services today and how does Allegiance address them? You know, that, that one is, I think, going to be different for every customer. I don't know if there is a common challenge. So I would probably say that the, the rule is an uncommon challenge. And the challenge within that is finding a company that can understand how to customize their approach and their solution to the particular problem or need that that, uh, that merchant has. So all too often, there is a one-size-fits-all. And some of those are that work really well uh, in the, oh, just say the restaurant, the retail space. But as you get out of that, the requirements are quite a bit more customized. And so that is the challenge for the merchant 
It's finding an organization and a company that can support them in those more challenging or custom approaches. Where do you see the future of the payment processing industry heading, uh, especially since we have all of these uh, blockchain and cryptocurrencies coming about and looks like maybe the landscape is a shift towards, towards those? I'll answer this way. My, my daughter is three and she'll never write a check. And my mom is in her seventies and she'll never pay with our watch. So there, that, that's a, that's a way of saying there's a pretty long kind of time range horizon that there's not going to be any one thing that's going to change everybody's behavior. All of these things, uh, whether it be crypto or digital payments, payments with phone, watch or other uh, devices, they're all going to be you know, kind of slow entrance into the market. And as customers and as users get more comfortable with those, then those are going to be what, what bribes the, the need for the merchant to be able to accept them. We help our merchants facilitate a whole host of acceptance options. And so it, it really is based on their customer need of their customer saying, hey, I'd, I'd like my invoice emailed to me with a click to pay link. Then they get enough of those requests then they, they want to deploy that technology for them uh, for their customers. Uh, so it's pretty simple. I don't see any silver bullet, uh, so to speak, or any one thing that completely disrupts the system. It just doesn't happen. And I think that a lot of people have lost their enthusiasm on crypto and blockchain as the volatility uh, has occurred over the last couple of years. So it seems like what you're saying is the, the business is pretty stable and, uh, if that's the case, why why do more people not pursue this as as an entrepreneurial career path? I think folks do from a career path standpoint. There's you know there's many opportunities within Allegiance and within the industry, and whether you uh, apply a sales engineering and MIS, a logistics computer science background, there's uh, a lot of different opportunities, business development. Uh, marketing, uh, so to speak, to create one in today's world, I think is quite a bit more complex than it was when we founded the company in 2011. And a lot of that has to do with compliance and uh, payment security. Those requirements and the need and the threats have exponentially increased since 2011. And I frankly do not know how I would start from scratch today as we did in 2011. So I think that there are a lot of opportunities within the space. How you start something from a standing start, I think it's just quite, quite a bit more complicated. Are there any innovative products or features Allegiance is currently working on that you could share with the listeners? Yeah, you know, there's some that everybody may not be familiar with would be there's a lot of uh, access in the text to pay. And so if your, uh, your air conditioner repair guy is at your house and wants to send an invoice, instead of sending an email, they can do it right on their tablet or their device directly to the homeowner. And they can click text to pay with whether it's integrated with their Google wallet or their Apple wallet on the phone. So those are some things that uh, customers are using. The thing that, that we use most and most of our customers are adopting today and this is within the context of business-to-business clients, which is the majority of our of our customers. 
uh, is the compliance surcharge, dual pricing, or what's called cash discounting. And that is taking the fee that merchants pay and uh, passing that along to the card holder. And so all to, I think everybody is getting the sense that, hey, those points and all of those rewards that you have on your credit cards as a, as a user, those come at a cost. And those uh, that, that costs and those, those premiums are sent to the merchant. Well, uh, there's some regulation that changed in the last four or five years that's opened up the opportunity to say, hey, we are disadvantaging our cash or our check customers by having a ubiquitous price across the board. Um, and so to be able to level set that, we're going to pass on that basically that utility or that premium uh, to the card holder. And most of our customers are adopting that technology uh, that allows them to do that. So there's some states that they can't do that in, and that's where uh, they need the right software to be able to determine where their customer is, where their cardholder is, so they can make sure that they are compliant with those state regulations. Josh, we are very deeply interested in leadership, management, the C-suite, and that's where you're at, man. What are some of the, the values and the vision that you aim to uphold with your leadership? So I go back and can uh, can really contextualize a lot of things uh, into the Auburn Creed. I believe in a practical world, you know, and then dot, dot, dot. Therefore, I believe in work. I don't believe in hard work. Uh, so, you know, talking about an organization that the most difficult thing to do is to find and train and retain great people, finding those great people that live in a practical world, that have practical expectations and uh, work ethic. That's that's the challenging and the fun part. So that'd be number one. The second uh, piece is I do think that as education or even parental uh, advisors, I think that we, we've, we've done a really a big disservice to uh, students and and young people as they're kind of developing their their career aspirations and career path, and I I, I say that in the, the midst of you got to love what you do, and I don't buy into that at all. I actually think it's it's probably one of the most damaging thing we can tell a young person as as they're trying to develop a, a career path. You know, I didn't have the option whenever I was uh, going to, uh, to college or even getting finish up around high school years to, to focus on, you know, do what, what you love to do. It was, Hey, I needed to survive. I needed to be able to earn to pay for books or pay for tuition. Uh, and then the graduation, uh, was a awesome event, but then you had to go out and you had to get a job to pay for it all, uh, pay for the education, pay for the student loans, things of that nature. So the luxury of loving what you do isn't afforded to everybody. And or being able to pick to love what you think, the topic that you would love to do. And so the the thing that I was able to adopt, uh, even uh, as I was going through college and then shortly thereafter, is it is not what you do, it's how you do what you do. And you can always find where you are in life that if you can convert to focusing on how you do what you do versus what you're doing, you can love that process. Given, you know, I don't know the, the career stats right now, but so many people, you know, I think it's like 3.5 different careers through a lifetime. And that's not jobs, but that is an actual career. I got, hey, I am a 
underwater welder, and now I am a teacher. Those two different careers. And so people, that, that is the average where people are changing. And so how do you know what you love in each one of those, right? I'm not sure there's some attributes, but being able to apply the how you do what you do and loving how you do can apply and, and can transfer and transition to each one of those. So I think that we set people up for failure and for huge disappointment when they realize that they were working to be a, a marine biologist. And when they get to SeaWorld, they recognize that they're just shoveling a bunch of dolphin poop and it's not as glamorous as they thought. And so uh, I think that focusing on how we do what we do is way more important than having a necessary level we do. Well, throughout your career, did you have any mentors or influential figures that significantly impacted your professional journey? Oh, uh, a ton. My very first one, I was 13, 14 years old, and I worked at a baseball card shop. And I learned a lot about profitability and the need to know your inventory. And I used a lot of those just lessons. I still use them today. And so, yeah, there's been several folks along the way that have pointed me in the right direction. I think if I, if I look back and say, well, how was I so fortunate to find those people? And I, as I look to now mentor other people, it, it comes back to that, that Auburn Creed. I believe in work. I believe in hard work. And I do believe that I've had that work ethic from the beginning. And when people see that you're willing to do the work, they're willing to invest in you. And so if somebody is saying, Hey, you know, I just can't find a mentor. Maybe there's some effort that you need to display to where uh, people that are wanting to, you know, many people that I have as peers and myself, I want to find people, but I don't want to waste my time either. And so people that are willing to put the effort in, that are willing to take the hard knocks, those are the ones that somehow seem to find mentors pretty quickly. Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, I always I always tell myself um, if you're showing up and you're you're not taking no for an answer and you you have the enthusiasm and you're learning, uh, you're going to get attention. And behind that, whether it's customers, mentors, coaches, there's the money's coming. And it doesn't really take that much effort to rise above the crowd. It's 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 really uh, it's simple. Uh, we're talking. You know, three or four a- extra hours a week of effort, maybe you easily can kind of surpass whether you're you're putting that into personal development, putting that into your your craft and uh, making more sales calls. But you but you pretty quickly differentiate yourself from everybody else. If I put one other thing, a, a third leg on that, uh, it'd be consistency in that. All too often, people say, you know, I worked really hard this week. Well and nothing that happened for me this week or this month, it takes a lot more than that. It has to be a lifestyle. Uh, it has to be consistent. And you don't know when that next opportunity, mentor, sale, job, where it's going to come from. So uh, if, you're, if you're going to commit to the Auburn Creed, you have to do it every day. And just so happens that you get really lucky when you do. Can you share with us some pivotal moments or maybe some very difficult decisions you've had to make as a CEO that significantly impacted the trajectory of Allegiance Merchant Services? When I first hear that question, I think, man, difficult. Yeah, after you go through it and you look back, it, it doesn't seem that difficult. And so, yeah, there, there was, because you've done it, right? And so it's, uh, 
Well, now the situation you're currently in seems really difficult because you may not know exactly how you're going to get to the other side. So, yeah, there's been some pivotal moments where, and one was, uh, I'll, I'll say that looking back, was really understanding uh, the stratification of our customer and understanding where we fit the best and where there was a good marriage between us and the opportunity. And when we first started the company in 2011, you, you take anybody and everybody, like a deal, a customer, a opportunity, you're hungry for it all. And I would say uh, around the four or five year mark, we really started to, to stratify and understand the data in our customer base and understand the feedback we were getting from our customers and decided that it was time to focus in on the customers that one, that were the most profitable, that were the, where our team was geared to be able to solve their problems and where those customers had the highest rate of um, longevity. And so we looked at uh, the first longevity, the last longevity piece, you know, what customers are sustainable, right? And so customers in the retail restaurant space were the least likely for longevity. And so we didn't spend as much time in that, in that, in that segment. Then the, the profitability piece, well, what, what, are, what are customer types that appreciate high margin? Well, ones that have high margin themselves. So in those spaces, whether it be a law firm or especially medical or in business to business that have high margin themselves, they want a higher value uh, solution and they understand the expense of their time and that their, their time is more valuable than them adding on or thinking that they have to add on another expertise to their organization. So they partner with an organization like ours to be able to have that expertise. And so they could dedicate more time and energy to what their core business is, which is the highest margin thing that they could do. So those that would be a, a moment in time where now it seems very simple and obvious, but at the time, it probably seemed very difficult to say, well, where should we be spending our time, money, and resources? Where are we the best fit? I'll caveat that the next, the one is probably a comment for everybody. March 17 of 2020, what do you do? That's that, that's the one that I remember we got calls with peers, business peers in all industries, and nobody really knew uh, exactly what to do. And there was no charted territory. But everything seemed to work out and for the payments business it, it accelerated a lot of the technologies that we were already speaking to our customers about where they needed to be able to process whenever you were in front of somebody all the time and so uh, there was a a lot of action around that on accelerating those items that uh, we've been speaking to our our current customers and new customers for for, for some time hey josh you've uh You've climbed the ranks from the time that you were at Auburn University studying MIS. Now you're the CEO of Allegiance Merchant Services. What advice would you give to young professionals looking to carve out a similar uh, career path as you? The uh, the broken record pieces, the work, the hard work. If uh, seven to seven, working half day Saturdays, if that scares you, don't set yourself up for it. I mean, don't set you an expectation for it. 
you could be one of the lucky ones and find this this really interesting kind of lane or path, like a lottery ticket. That wasn't mine. I had I've had this philosophy after failing quite a bit early on in my career that there was another path to go, and it was called the get rich slow scheme. And when you didn't try to have to hit a home run every single day, but you knew that you had a goal that you could break into smaller parts, and you just start doing the work for solving the problem bit by bit. So the uh, you got to be able to do the work. You can't be scared of seven to seven and some Saturdays and the expectation that there is a, uh, a fast track to it. Uh, once I dropped that, it seemed to then just get more comfortable and was able to just uh, put in the time. I think everybody can can grasp the idea of hard work being the seven to seven and, and working some Saturdays. Um, and, and really, I think what I'm hearing is that is the price of admission. That's just getting in the door. Uh, are there some other things that you would, you would classify as hard when it comes to uh, making this work? No, I wouldn't say it's hard. I, I think that it is time. And what is hard is what you sacrifice along the way. Those are the things that I would say would be hard. But you are financing your time somehow. You're either, you're either uh, using it today for uh, leisure or, or, or a non-core business activities, or you're using you're using what you could have later. And the uh, anybody in you know finance one one, you know, the more you could put in the market in the beginning and allow that to grow over time, the more that will compound. Well, just as it happens, it works with money. It also happens with your time and your effort. And so the more time and effort you can put in in the beginning, that will compound and uh, will, will, will give you back a, rater, a greater rate of return on your time later. And so there's things that I could do today. Um, I, I graduated Auburn in 2001 that I wouldn't be able to do if I didn't put that time in the beginning. And so I have an abundance of time now that I can do what I choose uh, to do. Most of it is still within uh, the business world, but it just looks different than it did then. Had I not done that in the beginning, I wouldn't have that that luxury. And I do think I do consider a luxury and a blessing to be able to do that today. Yeah, that's really great advice. It's been a pleasure having you with us today. How can our listeners get in contact with you or follow your journey? Uh, Josh at algms.com. Probably the best way to be able to get a hold of me. Josh, thank you so much for your time. You have uh, you've really provided a lot of insight into the industry, and our listeners are going to be able to uh, take away so much business utility here. Thank you so much again. War Eagle. War Eagle. You guys have a great one. Harvard, inspiring business.